Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Well, we're going to go to 2 Timothy this morning, of uh, uh, chapter 1, and uh, we're going to just read a few selected little verses in chapter 1, and uh, I want to talk about uh, witnessing. Uh, I do know, and we're not going to go to this portion of Scripture this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 28, everybody knows that the latter part of the, the chapter. Uh, it says, uh, as Jesus was getting ready to leave, and of course the church uh, in not too long in the future would become a church, and uh, he says, you shall be my witnesses. Uh, and then he um, leaves, and there the church is formed a little later on. But uh, really, the ideal of you shall be my witnesses is the calling, amen? It is the purpose, and it is the potential of the church. Uh, I, I think the Lord has given me some uh, sermons to, to minister, to, to share with you, that uh, is going to be helpful, needful, uh, for the next few months, years of, of the church, because uh, whenever the, our, your new pastors get here in, in April, uh, I, I want it to be up and running with some witnessing and some inviting, uh, doing things such as that. So uh, again, the calling and the purpose and the potential of the church, uh, um, it says go make disciples. And again, you, you look at all of the, the stuff that we have the potential of doing, uh, go heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, uh, all these other things. Uh, and the real, real honest truth is God wants you to be a witness. And, and I will tell you, those, those of you that are not very good at face-to-face witnessing, that guy evidently was not, uh, sometimes it's tough. It's tough to talk to people. How many is terrified of, of talking face-to-face with somebody? No? Well, yeah, good. Thank you. There's a few of you, and there's a lot more in here than just a few that raise their hand. It's tough just to walk up and say, hey, you know, the Lord loves you and cares for you. You know, uh, uh, you, have, you have a great opportunity uh, uh, here in the near future to invite people to church. If you don't, I mean, our ultimate goal is to invite people to Jesus. But sometimes we start out with vitamin church, and, and then they get to hear the Word of God, and they get among uh, uh, Christians that love the Lord, and witnessing goes on from there. But, uh, you know, we have Easter coming up around the corner. That's a great time to invite uh, Christ- our people to church. You have the concert coming up with the, the lady that is the uh, comedian. Uh, you have that opportunity to b- invite somebody to the Lord. So there are built-in times that you can actually invite somebody uh, to the Lord or to church. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, we're going to go to uh, uh, verse 6, first of all. Uh, Paul has, is writing to Timothy, and he is recognizing that his mother and grandmother are really great women of God. And he says unto Timothy, and I'm sure that they, ha- he, they put into you also. One of the scriptures right before we get to 6 says that you need to stir up the gift that is within you. 
So Paul writing to Timothy is saying, look, there's something inside of each and every one of you that God has put there. And what your job is, is to stir it up. It's not God's job to stir it up. It's our job to stir up the gift that is within us. Verse 6 says, for this reason, I remind you again to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through uh, the laying on of my hands. Verse 8 says, And so do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord, or ashamed to be his prisoner. But join with me, uh-oh, in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We're going to go to verse 12 now. Verse 12 says, That is why I suffer as I am, yet... I am not ashamed, because I know whom I believed and am persuaded or convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted or committed to him for that day. He is not ashamed even though he is in prison, even though uh, terrible things have been happening to Paul, he is there, he's not ashamed of the gospel. How many here... Uh, don't raise your hand, please, is ashamed of the gospel. None of us should be. It is how we got saved. It is how we've come to Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. And uh, it's interesting that we must be people that are witnesses. The church that witnesses is the church that grows and sees souls saved. I've heard many, many, many times in my life that the, if a church and the people in it is more concerned, if you will, about what happens in the church than what is happening to the people in the world, then you are automatically a dying church. Thank you. If we are concerned about our, our upholstery, uh, and, and I love upholstery and keeping it nice and clean and neat, if we're concerned about, uh, you know, I, I've heard people yell about kids running in the hallway. Well, yeah, and I don't want you to be knocked over by a little kid running around. You know, I understand that. But if we get so, uh, so, so, so centered in on what is happening to us in here, how important things are to us, there's a whole world out there that's lost and dying. And, and that is where our emphasis should be. And so we give up. Uh, what we like in here, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, my second pastorate uh, uh, in Union City, Indiana, we, we grew real good and, and uh, we had a ton of new people in and uh, I was having complaints from the saints. Anybody love the saints? Uh, you put quotation marks around them. The saints were really ticked because these little kids coming in that we were bussing in uh, didn't know the, the proper etiquette of being in church. Well, how about that? They weren't in church all their life like we were. And, uh, and some people were coming in, moms and dads that weren't quite looking quite right. Uh, uh, I've told this congregation whenever I was here years ago, there was a lady that lived down the, uh, the alleyway from us that sat on her porch uh, uh, every Sunday, and she would just sit there, and we would drive by and wave at her, and, hey, how you doing, and finally got her to come to church. Uh, but uh, she was not a nice lady in town, uh, if you get what I mean. And she came with no, uh, forgive me, no bra on, uh, you know, skimpy clothes and things such as that. And the ladies of the churches went crazy. 
How dare us let her in this house of God? You have to say it like that. God, you know. And, uh, and I said, ladies, take it easy. It'll be okay. She'll get Jesus, and Jesus will do his thing with her. And yeah, it, it, it happened. This lady got saved. She came to the Lord. The Lord spoke to her, and she went through some classes with some of the other ladies, and they taught her how to dress a little bit better and, and you know, things. But they did it in love and compassion to her. She got baptized in water, uh, served Jesus, worked in our little kids' program for a while. I don't know what's happened to her since I've left all those years ago. But it was amazing to see whenever we put people in the world above us and our needs in here, God will do something. Uh, I, in the church that I, I came out of in Texas, uh, there, was, there was one guy that came to church, and he was, uh, he was one of our head uh, ushers and head greeters, and he did a lot of things around the church. He would stand outside, and, and if you needed your car parked, you know, if you're a little elderly, you didn't want to walk, you pull right up there. Randy would go out and help you out of the car, help you in, go jump in your car, and go park your car. And then come in and give you the keys. He wouldn't drive off with it. And there's your keys. And, and he was that type of guy. And I asked him one day, I said, Randy, how tough is it to break into this church? Now, he was, he was greeting, he was uh, ushering, uh, he was working in a, a lot of different things. He said, man, it is tough. <laughs> He says to get in the, the, into the inflow of the church where everybody's at uh, was a real tough thing. I had to push and push and push to be accepted in the church and be a part of the church. And now, of course, he was. But, but I, I just ask you, how tough is it? And it was tough. It's because we set up church for the Christian. We very seldom set up the church for sinners. Don't you wish we would? Let's set up the church for sinners and we'll put ourselves on the back burner to somehow do right by the people of the world that are coming into the church. That is what the calling of God is. And so again, we, we see people come in. I, I want this place to be filled with sinners saved by grace because that's what you are. A sinner saved by grace. And so we want these to come in. Uh, uh, it's amazing how many people in this world do not know Jesus. But things we must do in order to be the witness that we need to be. First of all is this. We must know who we were. Who we were. Now, there are some people that says, oh, no, I never think about my past. Uh, I never think about where I came from. I'm a born-again believer. Well, I am too. But you know, the fact is, Paul says in Ephesians, for all of us who lived among them, at one, we, all of us lived among them at one time, talking about the world. We also were gratifying the sinful nature and following the desires and the thoughts. Like the rest of the whole world, we were by nature objects of wrath every single one of us here today as great as you are as wonderful as you are as pure as you are as as, as churchy as you can be was once a sinner that needed salvation and the, and the fact is that the old testament sort of puts it in perspective uh, 
that you could have 99.9% of all the Old Testament rules and regulations down. You got them dead, dead to rights. You were good on all of them. If you mess up in one, you're guilty of all of them. That's what the Bible says. So we sometimes go, well, I wasn't quite as bad as so-and-so. You know, I wasn't quite as bad as that one or that one. No, no, no. If you have one sin in your life, if you make one mistake, you're guilty of everything. And it takes the grace of God to forgive us. So what do we know about ourselves? We were just like the world. And I think by knowing that, it, it sort of keeps us sensitive to the needs of the lost people around about us. I've said over and over and over again, I have seen people get saved being an alcoholic, and, and the first thing they do is they turn around and, and they look down on the alcoholic. How dare them be? Well, you were just one, you know, three weeks ago. Give me a break. Come on. Oh, the, uh, the drug addict or the, you know, the crazy person, the person that had a, an adulterous affair. You once did that also. And we go, wow, you know, no, no, no. If you want to be sensitive to the world around about you, if you want to be able to witness, uh, we need to keep self-righteousness out of the equation. There's none of us self-righteous enough to say, oh, I'm above everybody in this world. I've arrived and everybody else is underneath me. No, we are all born and shapen in iniquity. And we need to be saved just like everybody. I want you to go out into the highways, byways, and hedges. You know where that's at? That's, well, that's what Jesus says they are. Highways, byways, and hedges. That's where people live. That's where they operate. That's where they work. That's where they uh, do their business. Uh, and you go on the highways, byways, and hedges, and you compel people to come in. Now, I realize you can't grab somebody by the scruff of the neck and drag them into church. But we can be witnesses like we've never been before. You say, how do I do that? It's terrifying, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. It's terrifying. You're standing beside somebody, and the Lord says to you, hey, have you ever, God ever give you the head nod? And you go, come on, Lord, are you serious? I'm at, a, I'm at a gas station, and we're out here pumping gas. No, no, no. Come on, Lord. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? How are they going to react? Are, are they going to punch me in the nose or something? I mean, what, how's this going to work? And sometimes you just have to open the mouth and say, first of all, just, hi. How are you doing? How's your day going? You'll be amazed at how much information you get from a person by just simply saying, hi, how are you doing? How's things going in your life? And they'll, they'll, if, if God is in all of this, they will start telling you how their life is not going good, and you then can be a witness to them. Now, I, I've, I've, people sometimes get this witnessy thing way too uh, difficult in their minds. They say, well, I don't know every scripture in the Bible. Well, join the club. All of us do not. I don't understand every concept, everything that's happening. I don't know how to, how to answer everything that comes up. And, and I've told people before, Paul was a great example. Paul was one of the most intelligent people you would ever want to be around. 
I mean, he was schooled by the best uh, professors in, in Israel. He, was in, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, of course, under the anointing of the Lord. But he was incredibly intelligent. But whenever he would get in front of people to do his witness, he would say, and you've heard me say this before, this is what I was, this is what God did for me, and this is what I am. That's the simplest part. Now, when he got into real tough issues, uh, he could quote the scriptures from sun up to sundown and, and dot every I and cross every T. But in most cases, he just simply said, this is how I was, this is what God did to me, and here's where I am now. People need to know that somebody cares. Let me just make a real quick survey, if I may. How many got invited to church by somebody? How many just showed up out of the blue? <laughs> okay, that's okay too. A few of you got showed up out of the blue. Oh, hi. <laughs> we always wave at each other. Yeah, so anyway. So some people just show up out of the blue, but most of us, 90% of us, have somebody say, look, you need to come to church with me. We have a, a concert going on. We have a Big Daddy Weave going on. Why don't you come and be a part of that? We got this going on, that going on. Why don't you come? I believe when people get around Christians, if we're the Christians we need to be, it will influence their life in such a big way. So we look at our past and we go, uh, see, we don't need any more Pharisees. Jesus had, had it about up to here in his life with Pharisees. What he wanted was disciples. That's why Jesus didn't go to the temple and pick a bunch of Pharisees to be his disciples. Because he didn't want to mess with all their craziness. He wanted to go out and find some fishermen and, and some people of a little bit lower uh, status in life to be his disciples. Secondly, we need to know who we are in Christ then. They sang about that this morning. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. One of the most deadly uh, lies that Satan brings to Christians is that you are no different than what you used to be. Anybody get that thought in your mind from time to time? Something comes to you and, you know, I'm, I'm really not the Christian I need to be. Well, maybe you're not acting like the Christian you need to be, but if you're born again, you are the Christian that God intended for you to be. He's working on the rest of the stuff. And until the day you die... Until the day you die, God is going to work on refining you. It's amazing. How many thought years ago you would have been good enough? <laughs> God, leave me alone. I've already advanced to this point in my life. I don't need any more uh, direction and guidance and help. Uh, I, I, I've arrived. No, not, not until the day you die. But that does not take away from the fact that if you're born again, you're a child of God. 
that you are holy in his presence. Uh, and, and the enemy wants to keep us from knowing who we are. I, I passed out on Wednesday night, a few Wednesday nights ago, a, uh, a list of things that the Bible says and God says that you are. It was a, a, a page and a half of you're this, you're that, you're this. And it was all positive, all great. I told them to go home and put it on their refrigerator and, and read it as they go by because it told us what we are in God. It is amazing what God thinks about you. It is amazing the plans that he has for you. And so God, in Christ, us in Christ, we're not going to listen to the lies of Satan. We're just going to simply say, no, no, no. I'm alive today. He has made me alive. God has made me alive in Christ. That's what the scripture I just read to you say. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a what? Chosen people, royal priesthood. Who's he talking about here? All of us. You can look at your neighbor and go, what? <laughs> you? You're a royal priesthood, a chosen person? Uh, you're a holy nation? Are you serious? <clears throat> people belonging to God. That you may desire or claim his praises. He has called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Sneak a peek at the person next to you and say, really? <laughs> really? You're, you're a chosen person, a royal priesthood. You're a nation under God. Uh, you've been brought out of darkness into life. And the answer to all of that, if you are born again, is yes. That is what God thinks of you. So I'm going to ponder my life. Uh, I'm going to ponder where I came from. I'm going to know uh, that, that I was uh, born uh, and shaped in iniquity, and God came along and saved me. I've had all that junk in my life, but I can look now what I am, and I can witness about where I was and what God has done in my life. Again, as I told you, Paul encourages Timothy not to be another Paul, I don't want any, be, anyone to be another John Dodd. That'd be unfair to you. <laughs> and Paul did not in, include, want uh, Timothy to be another Paul. He wanted Timothy to be the best Timothy he could be in God. And so he tells Timothy, somewhere in the, in the inner beings of your life, uh, God has put a gift. How many knows your gift? How many knows that God has gifted you uh, in such a wonderful and precious way? And, and as you are gifted, uh, uh, the, the Word of God comes to us through the, through the writer, and he says, look, now what I want you to do is, is stir it up. Stir it up. Oh, come on, people. I want you to be excited about what God wants to do in your life. Matter of fact, it goes on and talks about if you're, you know, if you have uh, different gifts. Romans talks about Romans chapter 12. Uh, if you're a person that, that has been gifted with the prophesying, then do it a portion to your, to your faith. If you've been, and all, all these are so different. Uh, we got a prophesier here in Romans 12. Uh, he says if anybody has a gift of serving, let him serve. Uh, teaching, let him teach. Encouraging, let him encourage. Uh, if you contribute to the needs of others, uh, uh, do it generously. If you have a leadership capability in your life, uh, do it uh, diligently. 
If you are good at showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Every one of us don't have every one of these. We have our own little things. We might have two or three of them in, in some uh, relation to each other. But he's just simply saying, look, everyone's got something. And whenever you start using the gift of God in your life, and you may say, well, you know, I've come to church all of these years, and, uh, and, and I've, I've had a nice little place in a pew. <laughs> and I, I, I get here, and then whenever it's over, I go home. You're wasting your talent. Everybody in the church should be doing something. Now, it doesn't have to be up here worshiping or leading in worship, preaching or teaching a Sunday school class, even for kids or whatever. Uh, it might be cleaning. It might be ushering. It might be uh, 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 working in the, uh, 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 the children's or the seniors or the kids, uh, the youth. I don't know what it is. Uh, every single one of us have our gifting. And Paul is saying, stir that thing up. I want, whenever Pastor Chris and Amy get here, I want this church to be stirred up in their inner being. I want them to be saying, you to be saying, look, I, 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 got, I got gifts to give you. Uh, I, I, have, I have a job I want to do. Uh, you say, well, I'm not that, that you know, I'm sort of new in the place. That doesn't make any difference. God called you here for a reason. And the reason was not just to uh, be here. Uh, the reason was to do something in the church to build the kingdom of God. And so we think about our past. We think about our present, who we are. And we need to recognize something else. And that is who God is. We talked about ourselves. I love this. As a pastor for almost 40 years, I learned a long time ago that my job is to do what God has told me to do. And I leave everything else up to him. Did you realize that no matter what I do, I could preach the best sermon on the face of the earth? Man, it could be riveting with point A, B, and C, and D, and Q, and R, and boy, it can just touch your heart. I, that sermon cannot save a single person. It is the Holy Spirit that reaches out to people, grabs their hearts, and says, come to an altar and be saved. I can't save anybody. I can't, I, I can't make a difference in your life unless the Lord does it. And so, so it gives great comfort. I, you know, some people say, well, you're just trying to check out a responsibility for church and everything. No, 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 I'm not. It gives me great comfort that today I'm preaching the Word. And, and here in a congregation there are people listening. And, and, I, and it's really funny that people have, uh, uh, are hearing different things whenever I'm saying the same thing. People hear different things. I've had people in my life come up to me and say, Pastor, I think you were living in my house this last week. Because everything you said this morning, the illustration, the thought, the, the sermon, it hit me. And, and so I'm sure that you, you have bugged my house. <laughs> you, you've been sneaking in and looking in my windows. Uh, I'd be arrested for that kind of stuff. And, and, and you're peering in the windows and, and, and you're looking at me because what you said today was exactly what I needed. Well, I am not in your rooms. <laughs> I have not got your house bugged, but I know somebody that does. The God of the universe has you bugged. 
And it's not with electronics. It's with the precious Holy Spirit that comes. And then all of a sudden I get a crazy thought about preaching this and preaching that. And I, I know pastors have said for a long time, well, you know, be very careful what you preach. People will think you're preaching at them. I'm not preaching at anybody. Most of the time that I preach, it's right back at me. But the Lord knows what we have need of. And so your role in the witnessing program is very minimal. Open mouth, say words, and somebody is going to receive the word. Not because of your great witness. Matter of fact, there was a, a guy, at, at Dennis Kinlaw, he writes about witnessing. And he says that God is there first. Listen to what he writes. The one who shares is never the first witness in the hearer's life. God himself is already there before the preacher speaks or the witnesser witnesses. The Holy Spirit has been at work in every person's life before you speak the word of truth to them. So you never approach cold. We always talk about, well, I don't like cold calls. Well, I don't particularly like them either, but you're never approaching cold. You can be sure that the Holy Spirit is already at work before you utter the first word of your testimony. Wow. So you go up and the Lord has given you the head nod. And you go, oh no, what am I going to do? The Holy Spirit has already spoken. The Holy Spirit is already priming people. The Holy Spirit is always making them receptive to your word. Now, again, is everybody receptive? I know, you know, we, we live in a crazy world. I like the way Paul puts it one time, have you ever suffered under blood for witnessing? No. Anybody suffered under blood here for witnessing? Somebody beat you up, punch you in the nose, slam the door on your fingers? No, okay. So Paul says, if you haven't suffered under blood, get over it. That's basically what he says. It's a marvelous thing. And he says to us, look, Witnessing is a part of our life, whether we do it by our actions, and that's what most of us do. We live a life of service to the Lord, and people are curious about what's going on in our lives, and we do that. But I would say to you this in closing. I can give you some equipment. Uh, God can give you the desire, but it's only you that can choose to start. Timothy again, Timothy, preach the word. And Timothy could sit there and go, well, I either can or I don't have to. Matthew, be my witnesses. Well, I either can or I don't have to. I would try to get intentional. Let me give you a story that every one of us knows. Acts 3, 1 through 10. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John have left the prayer time and they're going into the temple. There is a multitude, a multitude of people all around about them because they're going to the temple. And there's tons of people around. But their eyes fall upon a beggar, a lame man that's been laying there since his birth. All the people that were there, God said there, go to that one. And so you say, well, Why? Well, it's because of a need. He needed something from the Lord. 
And I would tell you that whenever you're witnessing to stay the course. You say, what does that mean? Well, this man that was sitting in the gate beautiful, and they were going by him, and they were going to start to witness to him, he wanted what? Money. I want money. Theology does not feed my tummy food today. Theology does not make a place for me to stay tonight. Theology does not pay my bills. I want money. Peter and John, such as I, uh, I what, what you want I don't have, such as I have, I give unto you, though. You know, rise up and walk. He didn't know what he needed. And I will tell you, the world does not know what they need. They know what they want, but they don't know what they need. What they need is Jesus. Because now this man, whole and healed, and going back home, he can get the job to get the money. He can take care of his family by being healed. He didn't know he needed that or even it was on a possibility. But yet, they stayed the course. They could have said, oh, you need money. Okay, let, let us run around now, Peter, John, you know, let's, let's, let's get these people. Hey, 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 this guy needs money over here. Come on, let's gather up in arms and let's come over. And, and he would have been that same way until the day he died. But they knew what he needed and they stayed the course. It was Jesus in his life. It was healing in his body. And so he just simply come to that point. No, I'm not going to waver. And, and, I, and I tell you, every time you start to witness to uh, a, a tough person at least, they will try to change the subject a hundred times. How many has ever had them change the subject on you? Yeah, but what about the Andalovian, uh, you know, what about Mo, Noah and who married who? And I don't give a rip about any of that right now. How about Jesus for you? Jesus, yeah, but how about the end of the world? Well, we're not going to go there. Let's come back to where we're at. You need Jesus. These guys stayed the, the course. The guy was healed. He was a blessing to his family, to his community. He got money to provide for what he needed because he got up and worked then. God is an incredible God. And the church was formed with the words, go and be my witness. Tons of other things we need to do. We need to have a church. We need to take care of our bills and things and odds and ends. We need to teach Christians. We need to do all these things. But that is really the foundation of it all. Go be a witness. And if we do that, this church cannot help but be full. Come on, one more amen. It's the truth. You say, well, I'm glad you're talking to the person behind me, the person in front of me. God, make it easy on people. Make it easy on people to be your witness. Amen? Close your eyes. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, your grace, your love. We thank you, Lord God, that you're here today to encourage us. That, Lord God, we were once sinners. Now we're saved by grace. And now it's our obligation to be witnesses to this world. Father, bless this people, minister to this people. And Lord God, we're going to just expect great things to happen. We're going to have people come, and Lord God, with witnessing and with testimonies about what God has used them to do in this world that they live in. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify your name. For just a moment, I'd like for the elders to come. Again, we're going to pray for people, as we always do. 
If you're here and you need help in, in physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, if you are terrified of witnessing and you say, I, I want to come forward and be prayed for that God will give me boldness to, to be a witness for him, it is okay to do that. That's what God wants you to do. As they sing a song this morning, I just simply want you to stand and come. If you have any need whatsoever, any need whatsoever, I'd like you to come down and present yourself and let the brothers and sisters pray for you. Anybody real quick? We're just going to wait for a little bit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's some coming. Just going to wait for a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter what you have need of this morning. God is here to touch and minister to it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else need something from the Lord this morning? It's all right. this morning.
head closed in prayer. Those that are coming around the altars, feel free to pray as well as you like. It's been good to have you in the house, Lord. It's not that hard to witness. You just be you and allow the Lord to use you in some way, shape, or form. Amen. So it saves us. Father, bless his people tonight, this morning. Minister to them, meet their need. Lord God, as we leave this place, give us a renewed desire to share our life, our witness, what we have done to us what by you with a world that's lost and dying. Lord God, bless and minister to every need we have in Jesus' name. Need to tell somebody you love them, give somebody a handshake, a hug around the neck. If you're praying around the altars, pray as long as you like. God bless you. It's been good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning.